Mouthing Off is a theater, arts, and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Amanda Forstrom. I'm Kevin Couchman. And I'm Mari Sittner. Mouthing Off features compelling interviews and discussions with artists and creators from around the Twin Cities and beyond. Tune in for something different online where you get your podcasts at badmouthtc.com and on the air in St. Paul through Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM. And if you've got something going on around the Twin Cities you'd like to talk about, we want to hear from you. Email us at badmouthtc at gmail.com. Mouthing Off is sponsored by Minnesota Playlist, the digital destination for live performing arts. Producers can find talent to work with. Directors can cast productions with audition ads. Teachers can find students with a classified. And audiences can find the perfect show to attend on the state's largest calendar of theater and dance shows. Find out more at minnesotaplaylist.com. We hope you enjoy the show. We're back with Mouthing Off, the theater arts and culture podcast for the Twin Cities and beyond. I am Kevin Kautzman, joined by my compatriot, my fellow theater maker at Badmouth Theater Company, from which this podcast is brought to you, Amanda Forstrom. Amanda, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm swell. And I know you're coming from a new undisclosed location. You've got new digs. We're not going to tell people where they are. You're still in the state. You're still in Minnesota. Yes, still in the okay. state, the the beautiful state of Minnesota, still close by. But yeah, new digs, a new setup. So hopefully I'm coming through clearly and sweetly and there's no, you know, extra noise happening no. in the background. So I'm very excited. You sound delicious. And isn't your, uh, how are you connected? Are you on Starlink now? Is that what you're doing? I am wow. I am on the Elon Musk Starlink train, it seems, and it's huh. doing fantastic. I got to be okay. honest. All right. So, well, that's not a paid endorsement. That's not a, no. a placement. Uh, we're a 501c3. C3? Uh, Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> bah, bah, bah. Uh, theater company. And yeah, we're coming into the end of the year, too. We had some very generous donations this year. You can support Badmouth Theater Company and our work at badmouthtc.com. We got some really cool stuff coming up. I'm going to let Amanda introduce our guest uh, here now. I am ecstatic to introduce our next guest because it's been a long time coming and she is a fantastic actress, director, educator, and just all around wonderful human. And uh, I'm so excited to have Christina Mitchell on the BMTC podcast today. Christina, how are you? Hi, Amanda. You That gave me tears and goosebumps and I just shaved my legs, so it hurts a little bit. So thank you for that. That was so sweet. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I guess, Will, the first thing that I, I have recently seen you uh, do or work on was Twelfth Night at Washburn High School. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I directed Twelfth Night um, this past fall in November. We opened and closed. Um, and I love Twelfth Night. It's my favorite Shakespeare play um, because I personally think it's a comedy. It's a comedy and a tragedy at the same time because not everybody's story ends up happy or ends up in a bow. There are people that are left heartbroken and devastated at the end. Mm -hmm. And you know, my 
dark Scorpio soul loves a little heartbreak. Um, <laughs> but yes, it was interesting to go through Twelfth Night with teenagers. Um, and I'm a Shakespeare purist. I don't believe in adding anything modern co- colloquialisms or anything like that. Um, I was very strict about the language um, and the iambic pentameter and all of that. Um, but I think it paid off. I think they did a really, really, really beautiful job with it. Oh, my gosh. I have to say for high school students, you know, I, I've worked at some of the best Shakespeare theaters in the country. And I have to say, you know, some of them were performing their lines and more understandable than some of the actors that I have seen on stage at those places. So kudos <laughs> to you. I, I mean, it was the story was so clear. The music was really fun. And everybody was just really into it and into the story. And so were so were the kids, or t- teens, sorry, not kids. Um, and, and they were just really children, really Amanda, children, children, please. They are, they are children. <laughs> yes. Thank you children. for saying that. Yes, they really got into it. I think it was really daunting at the beginning for them. Um, but, you know, I just had to say, you know, a lot of things like just trust me, just trust me. And as you know, when you rehearse a comedy, it's the worst thing you can do. It's horrible to rehearse a comedy because nobody's laughing. You don't know what's funny. And you kind of learn a lot in your first preview when you have an audience reacting to how funny you are. People, you, you don't believe it yourself necessarily. You need that energy. So um, so it was a daunting road for them, but they they handled it so beautifully. They they were really, really fabulous. And I'm proud of them. Very, very yeah. proud. Yeah, they I mean, Shakespeare is daunting for everyone. And if it's if it's not daunting, I feel like I don't know if I don't know if I I believe you. You know what I mean? Because you could play the same. I I knew a, a mentor of mine played Hermione in Winter's Tale three times. And she said every time she did it, she was at a sort of a different stage in her life, whether she was single or didn't have kids yet and then ended up having children and then uh, performing it again. And she said it was still daunting and still scary. And there were different things that she could now bring to the table in that character in in those stages of her life. And I just I that's why I love Shakespeare. And I think it's beautiful. But Christina, you you spent some time in London and so did Kevin. So I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about there. And as far as Shakespeare purism goes, Kevin. <laughs> I love that. I'm excited about that, Kevin. I've seen some very good Shakespeare uh, in my in my days, uh, I'll confess. And but you can do like like Amanda said earlier, you can see a production at a high school that's more vital and immediate than the most professional production. And it can also vary by any given night. It's part of the fun of, of theater. It's sort of the the roulette wheel of entertainment, right? Uh, the cinema, you know, in terms of the dramatic arts, right? It, the, the movie never really changes. I'm sure some uh, hyper, you know, philosophical media person would be say, whoa, whoa, whoa. It, no, it does. It depends on blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there are different factors, but it, the thing is always a thing. Jaws is always Jaws. Shakespeare, a play, is going to vary from night to night. Uh, yeah, and th- I love that energy. When were you When were you over there, Christina? I was over there. I went to grad school there. Um, I went to the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. Uh, and I was there, oh God, 2005. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I was, was there for uh, five years. Yeah. 
oh wow, I was over there at the same time. What a what a little golden age, uh, you know, there was, uh, as I recall it. It could have been that I was just young and fresh off the farm, uh, but I had an incredible time. I'm a playwright, so I went, I landed in 2007 over there. Was it 2007? I always get it confused now, but like it was either 2006 or 2007, and then I I landed right at the Royal Court and was in their Young Writers oh. Program, which was mind blowing. Uh, we probably you know vaguely know some people in common, or I probably have two or three degrees of connection. Do you try to get back over there frequently? Um, I try. I mean, my goal is every other year. Yeah. Um, but I have been, this is the first year I haven't gone back. I've been going because I'll now all my girlfriends over there are turning 41 at a time. I crossed that bridge first. Um, and so every year it's like, I'm going back for another 40th. Isn't it fun <laughs> that the, the food has gotten so much better over there? Like oh there were always I love pockets. the food there. <laughs> yeah, it it was. It, I recall it at certain spots being rough. Like you kind of had to know what you're doing, and then they. I think they all kind of got together and said, "We can do better than this." <laughs> we need to. We need to have a yeah. better reputation. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, yeah. there are things. I I wasn't a vegetarian when I lived there. I am now. Um. So that's a very different experience. But um, mm. I remember going for my first English breakfast and. Uh beans on the plate and blood pudding, all these, all this stuff that was just kind of now I would really freak out about not the beans, but um, everything else. Well, and when you were, when beans for breakfast, let's go beans for dinner, beans on a potato, beans, 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 beans on Uh, toast. They have beans, beans on all toast. Like, and it's yeah. all like every plate that they serve you, not a, not a knock to, to the English, but it's just so brown, you know, <laughs> it's a very, beige, nothing else that's like, yeah. Mm. It's just very like beige and browns and yeah. Uh, I mean, we're, we're out here in Minnesota. We, should, we probably shouldn't we should uh, talk smack. Yeah. There's a lot of, <laughs> there's a, of our, Minnesota yeah. has a lot of beige based food as well. Let, let me tell you though. Very colorful. Mm, yeah. The, our, we crush them at breakfast, except for their their sort of roasts or whatever. But that's not really breakfast. Mm. We crush them at breakfast. Mm. I will say that. I but but that's neither here nor there. Christina, when you were over there, which um, did you frequent uh, certain theaters? Were there places you haunted more than others? Because I know for sure I had my haunts where it was like, okay, I'm going to see everything that that is here. Um, well, you know. yeah. I mean, we got we got student tickets all the time through school. Yep. So like five pound tickets to West end shows all the time. Oh, and God. The Royal Court, Obviously the Royal court is amazing. And then if you can get up to the RSC or I don't know if it's up or over, I'm not really directional that way, but wherever that is Stratford upon Avon and go see mm-hmm. some, some things at the RSC, which is really amazing and fun. Donmar warehouse. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I got mm. big into like swing music and burlesque. Oh, was that was there, the, so. oh yeah. The burlesque over there is outrageous. And that was the period where, where swing was, swing was like a global thing at that point. People were doing yes. it here. People were doing it there. Yeah. You swing dance too? I did. And I actually formed a band um, called the Flirtinis, which was uh, like an Andrew sisters cover band. And we sang at all the like swing and jive clubs all over town. The Flirtinis. The Flirtinis. I like it. And yeah, none of us could read music, still can. Mm. Mm. Um, so, and we would rehearse on uh, on an iPhone piano. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and then we would we would have our friend Connor. He's Irish and he's a composer. We would have him teach us all the music, and so teach us our parts. And then we would go sing three and four part harmony all over. <laughs> 
from an so iPhone fun. piano. That's that's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. An iPhone piano. Yep. And we don't know the notes, so, it's, so we would say middle C, middle C, and that's how we would start. We just call everything middle C. <laughs> yes. It's kind of postmodern. What yeah. What did you get your degree in? Uh, acting. Oh, oh, classical acting. Cla- classical acting. Okay. Well, you so you have some standing to teach uh, Shakespeare then. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know the Shakespeare pretty well, and mm-hmm. I know I'm sorry, Amanda, but I am not as scared of Shakespeare. But I have a reason why. I'm terrified of Sam Shepard. Okay, like uh, I, can't, mm-hmm. I can't do mm-hmm. Sam Shepard. That's to fair. Save my life, like you know. I could. You could hire me. I could do it. I see. Sure. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like. Yeah. Yes, but I'm dyslexic, and something about dyslexia and Shakespeare makes sense to me. I think it's the rhythm of it or something, but it's easier for me to comprehend and to deliver than Sam Shepard. Interesting. Hmm. You, I will say you are also, even though you don't read music, you are, you have a great ear for music, obviously, and are a fantastic singer. So maybe there's something about that in there and the rhythm of it, like you said. Hmm. Yeah. There's something about the rhythm, but I'm, Hmm. I'm listening to Barbara Streisand's book right now. And I just found out she doesn't read music. What? Are you yeah. serious? Still can't read music. Barbara Streisand can't read music. That's right. You heard it here first on yeah. uh, Mouthing Off. Yeah. Hard yeah, to believe. It's so crazy. It's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. So, okay. So, Christina, I guess we're supposed to ask the question is, did Shakespeare write his own stuff or was that an amalgamation of, of you know, different artists or was it stolen from Christopher Marlowe or, you know, did he have a ghost? Edward Devere. Was it, was it Devere? Uh, Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, he was probably his wife. Oh. Uh I mean, if you think about it historically, right. Women couldn't be on the stage. Um, So I wonder if there was a wife, a mistress, maybe both, um, you know, doing some work behind the scenes, some of that emotional labor. Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Mm. He can really write about, love and lust and mm. uh, heartbreak and, and things in a way that is, you know, very, very palpable for at least the today's female brain. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't actually have a theory on it though, Amanda. I think, I think that, you know, I'm just going to say, yeah, I think he did it all. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think he was prolific and he could, he could do it all. And so he, and so he did. I have I have some different opinions about this, and I do a different podcast called Art of Darkness. It's at artofdarkpod.com. And this coming year, we are going to do episodes both. So we do biographical profiles of dead artists, right? And they go on for five hours. I'm getting ready to do Herman Hesse tomorrow, and I'm doing all my prep for that, right? And ne- and my co-host will do an episode, and then I will do an episode. So we take turns, and then the other guy kind of pl- d- does color commentary Well. Well, the the acting host walks through the life of the artist. So next year, we are going to do an episode like back to back. I'm going to do like, I think the traditional Shakespeare episode and my buddy's going to do the episode making the case for Devere. And then, then we're going to ask the audience, like who convinced them? I think we're going to have a guest come on. But I'm so I'm really excited about that. I'm genuinely interested in this question. I you know, I, I don't want to go out on a limb here because I really haven't done my research yet, but I'm amenable to the idea that maybe it was like a writer's room. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it was a group that kind of, you know, acted under this one name. I don't know. 
But I, some people make that case. They go, it's no, it was probably like a company effort, right? And they maybe created this figure. I, but again, I'm, I'm speaking sort of out of school here. I don't exactly know. What, what do you think about that possibility, Christina? Well, it, it is a possibility. I mean, I think when you think historically how people were given their parts and they were only given their cue line before and things like that. So I don't know that it was necessarily written down as a play. I think things emerged in the rehearsal room a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it could it could have been that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you think about actors like Richard Burbage, who was with his company, you know, almost yeah. the whole time correct and how could he not have some influence or passages in it of his, of his own after having to having worked with Shakespeare for so long well and the commissions too right he was mm-hmm. like 12 night was commissioned by the queen oh is that right I didn't know that she wanted something um for the 12th night of Christmas right the tree stays up until it's it's still Christmas here now people you gotta, I, you gotta the, I, mm-hmm. now now this is something I feel very strongly about. I put my tree up. I didn't this year because I just got a little busy, but I put it up at midnight on Halloween and I take it down uh the day after Valentine's Day. <gasps> I Be- love beautiful. that. Mm-hmm. This place he doesn't love cold. a little Christmas sparkle until Valentine's Day. I know. And I don't like Valentine's Day because uh just because you know, love and all that stuff. So I give blood every <laughs> Valentine's Day. And then I go out for a champagne and lobster. And then the next day I take down all the ornaments and I put commercial Christmas away. You you give blood, then you go out for champagne and lobster. Yes, yes. Oh, I see. The champagne okay. hits a little harder when you're a pint down. Mm, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's another uh, thing you heard here first that right. mouthing off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want your liquor, if you want to stretch your liquor, give blood prior. Yes. Yeah, what yeah. could go wrong? It's Maybe call it Uber. It's a, yeah, always. Yeah, it's a great idea. But I feel like blood is on. You know, it's red, so it's festive mm. for the holiday. Mm. You, you know, yeah, Valentine's Day is one of those high pressure holidays where you feel it's not fair. You're never gonna have. It's you're never gonna live up to it. No. So just that's why I I reclaimed a different tradition. I'm like I'm gonna give blood. That's a loving thing to do. Mm. Mm. That is really it's great. Good. I've been ba- I've been banned from giving blood since I came back from London, but that's we will oh. talk we won't talk about that on this podcast. Oh, yes, yes, I am yes. joking. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, well, how long have you two known one another? I get the impression you you two ha- have a history. Amanda, where did you meet Christina? Well, she like a lot of the other guests on the pod, uh, we met doing Clue. So I again, I'll reiterate, like that was such a great fun show and i met so many amazing people so many amazing artists and it was just a riotous time and christina played mrs white and uh she just absolutely killed it if i may (laughs) it was so much fun we had so much fun yeah there was even a great moment where she got to um Spoiler spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen it before, seen the movie, shut your ears, turn us down, whatever. Oh, but come uh, on. But if she... you haven't seen the movie, you need to see the movie. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and there's a moment where these, you know, hands come and strangle Yvette the maid, which was my character. And in this in this moment, it needed to be Christina. And so she got to strangle me every night, which I'm sure she just absolutely loved because I screamed all the time and it was so annoying. <laughs> it was really fun to kill you. Awesome. 
But but Clue's a modern comedy. So what what's the intersection in terms of your your own training and your own background, Christina? I mean, this is maybe for the layperson, but I, I'm not an actor, not really. I've acted, but I'm not an actor. Um, like you know, do, what do you? How do you approach? Let's say preparing to do Shakespeare differently from preparing to do Clue. Let's say. Oh well, Clue was just a rompous good time. It was just so fun. Um, but it was also really difficult because you, you're on stage pretty much the entire time or running. Like I really should have trained harder in cardio for that mother. Um, but, (laughs) but you might not have a line for three pages and then you might have one line in the middle of like of seven people speaking. And so that was actually really hard to memorize. Um, but in terms of preparing, you know, with, with something like Shakespeare, I, because of my dyslexia, I have a very specific way that I memorize. So I start with memorization. I do it out loud, standing up, but I start from the bottom. I memorize mm. backwards from the bottom up because mm. it's just, you're always proposing a question and then answering it. There's no subtext. You're, you're working things out in real time. Mm-hmm. So I just find it like, if I know the answer, then I can remember the question, if that makes sense. You know, hmm. Hmm. Not I don't, I, that is the question, right? Okay. That is the question. What's the question to be or not to be? Then I can remember it better if I do it backwards. Hmm. Okay. What's the answer to that, by the way? I've always <laughs> wondered. <laughs> well, I hope you don't find out. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got my bear bodkin here somewhere. Uh, no, we'll just, yeah, we'll just uh, leave that one. Yeah, uh, that, that starts, hmm. yeah it starts with, with Shakespeare. It's the memorization is first just because it needs to be word perfect in order for it to make sense. And if you break the iambic, um, do I need to say what iambic is? No, so but you might as well. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't hurt. We go out on the radio, 94.1 FM Frogtown radio. So this isn't purely devoted to, to theater people. So somebody listening might not know. Okay. So iambic pentameter is um, it's like, ba-bum, 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 ba-bum. It's the heartbeat. It's the, it's the meter that uh, Shakespeare writes in. And so if the meter is supposed to be in a perfect iambic and you mess up a word, you can feel it. And I would say that with my kids when they would flip a word around. I said, you mess up the iambic and I can feel it in my heart and it feels like you're in distress. Because there are a lot of things where purposefully Shakespeare will mess up the iambic. And I won't go into a big diatribe about like trochees and feminine endings and whatnot. But um, Hamlet is a great example of that, to be or not to be. So to be or not to be, that is the question. There's a feminine ending, which means that the character is in peril because it messes up the heartbeat. So it's not a perfect iambic. So um, yeah, I think the iambic is really important and you want to get word perfect because you want to use those little treasures where the iambic is either broken or um, or added to or something like that to, as your emotional clue as to where the character's at. Um. But if you just mess up your words and screw up the iambic, get off the stage, folks. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's, I, yeah, no, that is, I think I totally agree. I think that's some things that actors want to, you know, kind of do it their own way. And I, while I understand that sentiment, trusting the text to lead you to those emotional places, um, is was really helpful for me when um, I played Isabella in Measure for Measure, and to uh, have these real, really philosophical arguments uh, w- with, um, uh, oh my gosh, what's his name? 
uh, Angelo and and then you know having these breakdown moments with her brother and and right after the fact it really helps to trust the text and let those feminine endings and the trochies or going out of that iambic rhythm lead you to feeling it physically mm-hmm. and um when sometimes when actors break with that i feel like uh they're not connected physically to uh, to their character anymore, if that makes sense. They're sort of like head head acting instead of full body acting. Yes, absolutely. Because all of the clues are are in the text, you know, they're all in there. Same with the vowels. Don't throw out the vowels are they're the emotion of Shakespeare. And, you know, there are certain consonants and um, that will that are really like sibilant and really explosive or that will give you exactly what you need if you just use the words correctly. Mm hmm. Christina, what is this generation of young person? I, are they Zoomers still technically? Or is this Gen Alpha? Anyway, this current in the year 2023, almost 2024, uh, what does this generation of high school students make of Shakespeare? Do they come to it groaning? Are they enthusiastic? I mean, are you? I guess I'm wondering what that what that's like. I think it was a full spectrum. Um, I had some groaners, and then I had some people that were very, very excited. Um, you know, not every, it's not going to be everybody's jam. I get that. Doesn't have to be. No, it doesn't have to be, but it is an opportunity, right? If you can act in a Shakespeare play, you can kind of take on a lot of different roles and have a little bit more confidence. I think if you can Mm -hmm. handle that classical, um, opportunity and learn about it. And I am such a nerd about all of the text and everything else. I get very, very excited about it. Um, and I'm sure that when we were doing our text work and our book work that they were bored, <laughs> but they used it. They ended up using it. And, you know, some people more than others got more jazzed about it than others. So I think I think it's just how you experience it. And if you fully lean into a rehearsal process where you get to explore all the nerdy aspects of it, it's it's really thrilling. It's really, really exciting. How long does it take them to pick up on what is actually going on in the in the play, in the script? Well, I'll tell you, we when I cast it, we had our read-through, and then we spent a full week just on bookwork, and we went through every word that they didn't understand. Mm-hmm. We looked up every single word. That, Amazing. That so I wanted them to know exactly what they were saying, you know, because there's strange words in it. Like Viola says, how will this fadge? F-A-D-G-E. And and what does that mean? It's not a book. It's not a word that's in any dictionary that we use, you know, but it's like, how will how will this unfurl is what it really means? Like, what will happen? You know, badge. badge. Yeah. 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 It says to agree or to succeed. How will this succeed? Is that what yeah. she's saying? Hmm. Well, how Goodness. will this how will this come? How will this it's it's this whole problem and how will it resolve yeah yeah mm, right right yeah wow so that is that is wild that is a word yeah i had no idea what that i mean it sounds like alternately like a slur or like a snack treat you'd get at a gas station yeah yeah like in, you go up to canada and it's like man i can't get enough of this fetch right? <laughs> i mean that kinda, yeah and it kind of yeah. sounds like you know mm, yeah 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 well, other things yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a it's a you don't yeah we will <laughs> like we you know we maybe we'll bring it back into the vernacular 
Do they? I, did the kids? Did the kids like actually start picking up some of the words and using them out like outside of class? <laughs> absolutely. You know, mm. I, and I and I encourage that. I mean, to my to this day, my best friend, we speak every day. And she went to grad school with me in London. And we, every time we sign off, we say like, speak to you Anon. Ah, right. I love it. Yeah. Mm. Every single time. That, and that's so, so funny. Picked up on that stuff too. Yeah. Well, and I have a bunch of like anonymous Twitter friends too. So I say the same thing. Talk to you later, Anon. Yeah. Isn't that funny? <laughs> it all kind of works out, doesn't it? Shout out to the Anons. That's so fun. That's so fun. Yeah. And, you know, listen, theater people, yeah, you, you don't want to be doing this, you know, with, with randos on the street because they'll think you're insane. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, but with mm. we, we do spend time like right now in a padded closet, you know. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, we are a little bit insane. And that's and that's what what I love about theater artists or just artists in general, you know, how we see the world. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, it is a little bit different. Christina, how long have you taught uh, or worked with high school students? So I, okay, so I don't teach at the high school, but I'm their theater director, um, just to clarify that. But I have taught other things in the past. But I've been, uh, I've been working, this is my fourth year at Washburn. Um, but this is the first year that I alone am the theater director. I was working in tandem with John Lynn, who was the theater director there, and he retired from that position last spring. So I took over. Was Twelfth uh, Night the first show that you did with uh, as as the director? Yes, as a solo <gasps> solo artist. Yeah. Congrats! What like going out going off with a bang? I mean. You have to go big or go home. I love it. Twelve yeah. night. Ah. And I want you know, it's a, it's something that I'm comfortable with and I wanted to do something beautiful and I wanted the kids. I think we had the cast for it in my mind, even though, of course, you wait to the auditions and then you figure that out. But um, uh, but I think, you know, you have to know who you're working with and and mm -hmm. if you can pull pull it off for the most part. Do you know uh Oh, wait, you went muted. Yeah, Amanda, you went on mute there. What happened there? Uh-oh, no. Now I got to call Elon. What's going on? Uh-oh. Oh, no. No, you're back. Oh, no, you're, back. back? you're back. No, you're back. I was going to say, can you say yet what the what the spring uh, show will be? Oh, we're trying to get a scoop. I yeah. know. I wish I could, but um, I can't because uh, there's a whole kerfuffle with rights going on. So, um, ah. But I can tell you what we're doing for the one act. Perfect. The state, the state one act festival. We're doing um, the Laramie project. Ooh, very nice. Yes. And I've met some be... of the people behind that at the playwright center at one point. Very interesting. They just sitting around chatting with them about the creation of that play was pretty heavy. Oh, yeah. Go yeah. on, go on, Amanda. No, I was going to say, do you have to shorten it because it's. Oh yes. Um, okay. yes. Yeah. It's a, uh, it needs to be 35 minutes. Mm. And it's an hour and a half long play, but um, I've got my cuts approved and it's cut and I like it. I think it's great for the one act festival just because it has so many opportunities. Like there's so many parts in it. Um, yes. And it's the 25th year anniversary of the death of Matthew Shepard, which the play is written um, in for and about. about yeah. That. So. Well yeah, what a fantastic choice. And then also learning opportunity for all of the students. Um, you know, if they haven't even heard of it or seen it, you know, 
that's going to be amazing. It is. And, and the, mm. Yes. Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say we had a read through um, before the the winter break. And, you know, I said, I remember where I was when I when I heard about this. I remember exactly where I was sitting. It's sort of one of those things in your life, like like September 11th or, you know, so one of those things that if you were old enough to to be around when these things happen, you viscerally remember the color of the room you were in, where you were sitting. You know, you can completely see where you are when you heard this news. Um, and I said that this is one of those those moments that I remember exactly where I was. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a heavy play. And then, isn't isn't the Laramie Project made up of interviews and things? So this is a different type of theater. For the, for the students to encounter, like very far removed from Shakespeare. Like, dramaturgically, it's still theater, right? But am I yeah, am I right a, in that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, the uh, theater company went to Laramie and they interviewed a bunch of people in the town about um, about the murder, about the life of Matthew Shepard and about the the uh, kids who, who did it. Um, and they spoke with them as well. And they went to the trial and they went to the funeral and everything. So, yeah. 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 I mean, it's like the theater, like journalism as theater, as journalism. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's heavy stuff. Well, when does that, when do you start rehearsing that? Um, well, we'll start on the second. Ah, it's coming yeah. up. It's coming right up. Happy new year to you, by the way, Christina, and, and happy new year to you, Amanda, and to our listeners. We appreciate everybody coming along for this crazy ride as we do mouthing off. Uh, happy new year. Happy New Year to you. 2023 yes. is a year I think that everybody wants to forget. Let's just agree collectively we're going to forget it. <laughs> we're going to move. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to speak for you, for you, Christina, or for you, Amanda. But 2023, good riddance. <laughs> Welcome 2024. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I actually don't say that stuff because whenever I say that, it just gets progressively worse. So I just think, right, right. you know what? I, I, there were a lot of wins in 2023. Mm -hmm. There were some losses, but it could always get worse. So I'm just going to mm -hmm. say it's another day. It's another year. And hopefully things will be nice. I love yeah, it. Thank I know, you. I, mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I was just going to say there's a, a ritual that some of my friends do where they um, write down some of the the bad memories or bad things that happened, and then they write down the good things, and they crumple up the bad things and throw them in the fire, and then they, you know, have the cut up the good things that happened and stick them in a jar for the next year, and then randomly pull them out and say, "Oh, these were my good memories," so that they focus on those instead of you know, kind of spiritually purging the negative aspects of the previous year, which I think is really beautiful. Oh, so. man, I just wallow. Um, you know, this <laughs> reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from the, the late, great Cormac McCarthy, who we'll cover on on the other pod uh, in 2024, too. But I love this quote. Um, and this shook me when he when he passed away. I was just devastated and i know i wasn't the only one um like my some of my writer friends just like went quiet for like a week um but he said uh you never know what worse luck your bad luck has saved you from mm. so don't, don't don't complain about your bad luck because maybe you, you know yeah you broke your leg but you dodged a bullet that kind of thing um yeah. Christina, I wrote a one-act play for high schools. If you're ever looking to do a goofy comedy, and it's it's in print from PlayScripts, it's called uh, A Very Stagehand Christmas 
reindeer apocalypse storm <gasps> and it's and the and the the stagehands take over the theater and and one of the stagehands writes a play and 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 stars in the play and directs the play and uh it's it's you know reindeer apocalypse storm i i normally don't give the pitch but you're you know you're teaching uh, high school so there you go no, I that's out there i want to read that that sounds amazing <laughs> it's been done all around the country it's been done like 20 or 30 times i lost count like nobody nobody reaches out to the playwright of a very stagehand christmas reindeer apocalypse storm they just kind of want to do it and they don't want to meet the guy who wrote it <laughs> But there was a time where every, you know, every Christmas, uh, I'd hear from play scripts. Oh, so-and-so high school in, you know, Colorado anyway. So that's fun. That's the only thing I've, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, have you ever dabbled in playwriting? Have you ever put pen to Uh, paper? You know what? No, I would say no, no. When I, when I was an apprentice at the children's theater a hundred thousand years ago, we did kind of a a Laramie-esque thing where we went to a, a small town in Minnesota, we did a lot of interviews and then we built a play with like folks from the viewpoints situation, like Ann Bogart's crew um, around mm-hmm. this small town and their stories. But that was exact words, pen to paper. We, you know, we devised it, but we didn't, uh, we didn't write it. If that makes sense. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. It yeah. Really and sense. I, yeah. And, and you've never felt compelled to do it. It's just, it's, it's so interesting. Cause like I, I just could not, I could never, I, oh, maybe I could try to be an actor, but I just, I don't, I don't know if I have it in me. You know, there was a, I was dabbling in it because when I first started, uh, you know, wanting to be a playwright, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I, I, I think like writing plays without at least dabbling in acting or like taking a class is like writing a symphony and you can't play the piano or the guitar. Like maybe some rare bird could pull that off through some, incredible maybe some genius could pull it off but i'm like that's just it doesn't seem practical it's actually a piece of advice i give when you know to young playwrights or people who are just like i want to write a play i'm like have you ever acted no well okay you you at least need to go like take a community acting class um maybe that's a for directors too Mm, directors need to act yeah they need to at least take a class or be in a play they need the experience i think totally and Speaking of that, Christina, how did you get into acting? Where did this all begin? Oh, boy. What's my origin story? <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, we want the Christina origin story. Okay. Well, I started by singing. I was a singer as a like a kid, you know, and so that's how it started. And then in high school, I always wanted to do plays in school, but they told me that if you did plays, you would ruin your voice. Um, because you have to shout so much or, you know, project, which is just a blatant lie. Um, so I was kept from the stage. And then <laughs> oh and my god, school, I got into a musical and then it was just, I mean, it was just over. It was over. Which musical was yeah, it? Yeah, what musical was it? Oklahoma, yeah. where the wind comes sweeping down the plane. The banger. <laughs> what a beautiful what a, morning. What a beautiful morning indeed. And I just, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. What is it? Okay, so and have you done many musicals? Yes, I love musicals a lot. Okay. Last okay. night I watched the Spring Awakening documentary on HBO, and then I watched the Company one right after that. Even though I've seen them both multiple times. Oh, that's that's so okay. Interesting. Yes, yeah, Spring Awakening is fantastic. I saw a great production of that. I can't even remember where. How lucky am I? Uh, yeah, I yeah. watched last year. Oh, you did. Yes. 
Oh, fun. How did that go? Great. It's I mean, I feel lucky that that high school uh, allows yeah. us yeah. to do it. Yeah, um, I was just going to say. Yeah. But um, yeah, the kids were the kids were phenomenal and they really loved it. At first they were like, what is this? But we said, please trust, please trust. Yeah, yeah a and group there's got to be us... something about. Oh, go sorry, ahead. Kevin, go ahead. No, no, after you, Amanda. No, I was just going to say there's something, I mean, got to be just heartbreaking about watching it with actual high school students performing, you know, rather than, uh, yeah, professional actors who look younger. Yes. It, yeah. To, to know, you know, because there's a lot of intimacy and I was the intimacy coach on that and um, assistant directed it. But it was, uh, yeah, it was really, you know, teaching kids uh, some stuff in the intimacy department that was really, really difficult, you know, and very different to watch with actual kids than, than, mm-hmm. you know, 30 year olds that don't have right. Yeah. <laughs> How big is the cast for that musical? 15, 20? Yeah. I think we had like 22 kids. You know, yeah. God, we're I'm working on a musical right now, and it's sort of adjacent to the to our theater company about the. Are you familiar with the Killdozer incident? The guy who uh, made him, himself a homemade tank in 2004 and bulldozed a small town. Anyway, no. we're, we're we're writing a musical called Killdozer, an unreasonable musical about the guy who built this tank. And, and, and anyway, in any case, this is a, you know, it's such a, a twist for my playwright brain because I've like trained myself and have been trained that like five actors is a massive play. Whoa, you know, oh, slow down. Right. And now I'm like, wait a minute, we get to like write for 10, 12, 15 mm-hmm. people. Okay. Wow, what a what a treat! I want to I want to ask you, Christina, because I'm this is the first musical I've ever worked on. We got like you know, we almost almost twenty pages of you know in, in it, and we're writing lyrics and everything. What in your estimation, what makes a good musical generally, and what makes a good mm. musical for the performers? Okay, that's a great question. Um, generally, I just got back from New York too, where I saw a bunch of musicals, um, and I would say. It's, it's just the storytelling, right? Like if the music, the music doesn't have to be the most beautiful music in the world for the musical to be amazing. Um, but it's, it's the, it's the need for the storytelling. Cause typically in a musical, you start singing when you can no longer speak because the emotion is so high or the moment is so large that it needs a song. And then they say like, and then when you can't sing anymore, you dance, right? Like that's the kind of the emotional pyramid. Hmm. But I think it's, I think it's just believing, uh, believing in the storytelling and not mocking it. I've gone to many musicals where it feels like people are mocking the the music of it or mocking the moment of bursting into song. And when that's actually genuine, I think it's a much better sell. Mm, Interesting. I'm going to think about that. And then from the performer perspective, what makes a great musical? Well, again, I think it's better to cast actors who can sing than singers who can act or dance, because I think it all comes down to the acting. Listen, I, mm-hmm. I don't care if you can't hit the high C or if your voice cracks. It should crack. Adina Menzel cracked all the time during Wicked. All the time. 
belting that high, like eight days a week. Are you freaking kidding me? That's a nightmare. Um, but the emotion is so big. It's not about, I, I should feel like you are going to crack. That's you're reaching, you're stretching. Like the, that's what the character is doing. And if you're, if it's perfect, it's not exciting. Mm. Well put. Interesting. Go on, Amanda. Yeah, the story. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree because you see actors who can, um, you know, emote and just cry crocodile tears. But if it's not coming from a real place and totally invested, like you said, you know, I don't you can cry all you want. But if it's not if it's not genuine and the story is not there, then it doesn't mean anything. So I, I love that. That's great. Yeah, I think it's just it's the authenticity and not making fun. Like you have to love it. You have to love being in a musical. Um, it just sells it so much better. You know, I was just like I said, I was just in New York and I saw some like it hot and it's a tap dancing musical. And it was I, I loved I loved every minute of it. I just it was such a joy. Um, it was yeah. you know, a classic musical and it was awesome we're i mean is it based on the uh marilyn monroe movie i mean no, is it... it's no, actually no, okay, it's unrelated. more of a modern storyline a little bit um okay but yeah but it was well, around yeah around our house uh white christmas is a tradition we watch that every christmas time and every year i like it more and more um you know, there's just something about that form that is so profoundly American. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's something that we gave the world for 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 certain. Um, one of the four or five uniquely American art forms. Um, so it's a lot of fun. You have a favorite musical, Christina? Oh my gosh, um, I can't. I'm, I can't. No, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. like, I, I, it, the obsession, like, it, the obsession changes all of the time right? I'll go into a diatribe of being obsessed with rent again, you know, like I was in 1996 and put it in the tape of my car every day on the way to school and, you know, or, (laughs) you know, and then I'll listen to stuff I've, you know, I haven't seen. And there was a time when my car, every time I got into my car, it would start playing Hamilton, even though I didn't ask it to, it would just come on anywhere in Hamilton. (laughs) Something would come on in my car. I couldn't figure it out. My Prius was really into Hamilton. Um, yeah, I, I love, I, I I mean, Sondheim obviously is an incredible genius. And maybe if I had to, okay, if I had to, had to, had to, had to pick, it would be West Side Story. Mm. I just think yeah, that music, classic. that music is the most, I will listen to that in the kitchen and I will cry every time I hear it. Every single time I cry. It's oh. so beautiful. And- and obviously, it has ties to Shakespeare, so that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Personally, I the, yeah, no, I would just real quick, fate? Amanda. You yep. know, I'd have to, I'd have to pick Les Misérables uh, or or The Lion King. But go on, Amanda. Mm, yeah, Les Mis is just it's just so good. It yeah. makes me cry. I I weep. I it, weep like a baby. Yes, it, it literally takes your breath away. It's just so astounding. Oh, no, I was going to ask Christina, have you uh, seen anything new when you were, did you see anything new when you were in New York? And do you have any recommendations? Oh, yes. Okay. So I saw, um, well, I saw the play Appropriate, 
uh, with Sarah Paulson, which was excellent. Yep. Super, super good. Um, and then I saw some like it hot, highly recommend. I saw, um, I can get it for you wholesale. I think it's closed already. I think it already closed. Um, that was very good. And I saw merrily we roll along with Jonathan Groff, which was, I mean, he's my dream man. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I went with my friend, Christopher. We, we specifically went to New York to see Jonathan Groff on Broadway. So um, that was, that was excellent. And then, oh, we, we saw Sweeney Todd. Oh yes. Excellent. Another amazing musical. Yes. And um, it was, this is what I will say about it. Like it, the cast is changing, I think in January, but I sat with Josh Groban and um, Annalie Ashford. Josh Groban's okay. voice was meant to sing that score just meant to, I mean, he just lives in those bass notes that it's gorgeous. Um, and Annalie Ashford was great, but I don't know why they cast a 38 year old or 35 year old to play Mrs. Lovett. Like Mrs. Lovett yeah. is, is, is out of, should be out of options, which is why she needs to go into business with Sweeney Todd. Um, because she's out of options and this woman was very like beautiful and sexy and clearly had options. And so I thought that was a little, um, uh, but don't they, that's how they always cast though. Don't they? I mean, they can't help themselves. I, oh, I mean, it's yeah. like, mm. it's, it seems like Hollywood took, she's a great musical theater actress and performer, but I, I want, I personally want Mrs. Lovett to be out of options, older, and and then really have a maternal connection with Toby because then that makes the ending really grim, a lot more grim. Yeah, there was um I saw that was it Judd Apatow's daughter is it Maud Apatow played Sally Bowles, I believe in Cabaret. Oh, and yeah. and I also th I thought the same thing about that. I mean, you know, you see clips of her singing and dancing, and, and she's clearly extremely talented, extremely gorgeous. And I kind of feel that way about Sally Bowles. You know, she's she's at the Kit Kat Club for a long time and kind of, I don't want to say out of options, but, you know, yeah. And she's also not how I felt about supposed that. to sing that well. Sally Bowles is yeah. not supposed to sing maybe this time. It's not supposed to be the most amazingly sung song. It should be kind of bad. If it's Raw. the character. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I've never seen a production of Sweeney Todd. I got to put that on my kind of on my bucket list. No, I know it's exactly the kind of thing that I would that I would be into for sure. I need to familiarize myself with oh, it's that. So dark and wonderful. I love dark stuff. That's my whole thing. I was just this is a, an aside, but I was just playing this fun board game that's for one person earlier today. I should not have opened it today because it's really involved. Have you heard of this board game, Christina? Uh, Final Girl, Amanda. Have you heard of this? No. It's like a solo game and it, it comes with, okay, this is a tangent and then we'll, we'll wind down and, and let Christina tell people what she has going on and where they can find her and everything. But it, 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 it has a core box. You have to have the core box and then the, you have to have a, a film box and the film box includes a location. So like, and it's clearly like Camp Crystal Lake knockoff. It's like Camp Happy Trails, right? Like from oh, Friday the Thirteenth, yes. and and it has like a monster, like 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 a like a slasher villain monster. So they've got the butcher, right? You know, in this, it's so well designed because you can mix and match, right? You can buy eight of these feature films. They they each come with a different location. They each come with an, a different killer, 
And then you can say, oh, I want to put this killer in this location. And they each comes with like two different final girls. So you can like play different heroin. You could like mix and match and have probably, you know, a thousand variations of the same game. And you just sit there and it's like you're immersed in like Friday the 13th and you're trying to maneuver and save people. I, it was really, really fun. So I love Kevin. that kind of macabre stuff. Maybe, maybe that's, you were never a scream queen. And if you were a scream queen, maybe you'd like acting. <laughs> maybe that's a slasher flick. I, I just want to be the final girl. I mean, maybe, yes. that's, maybe that's what's going on here. That was a little tangential, but hey, I play a Sweetie Todd board game. That sounds pretty fun. I think um, final girl, the musical needs to be happening. Th- that's, oh my gosh. Yes. That would be so good. I wonder if somebody's tr- done that because if not, that may, hey, listen, after Killdozer blows up, after we have a big hit, uh, <laughs> I mean, Christina, maybe we get, you know, when we originate Killdozer, maybe we get to work together. Who knows? We'll see. I mean, we're going to try to have a draft done in the next, you know, four or five months. So who knows? We're going to need, yeah, we're going to need people who love and know musicals. Um, so yeah, tell people again, you, it's Christina Mitchell. Where can people find you? Uh, tell us what you have coming up at, you know, in this one act festival and if you're doing anything else around uh, town. Yeah. Yes. Um, you can't find me anywhere cause I'm unfindable. I'm not on social media. <laughs> I no, I'm on Instagram, but I have a private account and I won't let you in. Um, <laughs> based, like based, very quick trend. Like I got really depressed scrolling. So I canceled everything one day and then I really wanted to scroll. I was like, what the heck am I going to scroll? Venmo. And it's the most innocuous thing to scroll. And it's amazing. And it doesn't raise your blood pressure or get you pissed off or make you sad. It's just like, oh, Jackson had tacos and Kiara got her hair done. And, you know, <laughs> you, you really, you really scroll Venmo. Absolutely. You should do it tonight. It's so fun. Um, So you okay. can find, you can find me on Instagram. Um, but yes, I have got the one act festival coming up at Washburn in January, late January. And then we will be doing our spring musical, uh, May 3rd, that should open. So it'll be the first and first weekend of May. And then, uh, this, the second week of May, but we're closing on Friday night because they have prom on Saturday night. So Woo! Big deal. And I'll say, uh, having just met you, Christina, that the students at Washburn and the community are very lucky to have you, I can tell. Uh, this is Mouthing Off from Bad Mouth Theater Company, badmouthtc.com. We've got readings coming up at the end of February and March 2004, uh, 2004, 2024 at Waldman Brewery in St. Paul. We do these free readings. We're going to do a reading of a new uh, one act or a one, well, it's going to be a one woman one act play that I'm writing for Amanda. We're going to do a reading of that in February. And then Mari Sittner, our typical third co-host is going to do a reading of a new play of hers in March. And then we'll see what else we've got brewing uh, for you at Bad Mouth. It'll be badmouthtc.com. Go sign up, get on the mailing list and support local theater. Go to the, go to these Washburn productions, go around town, get out, Stop, stop doom scrolling. Stop scrolling Venmo like a lunatic. Uh, Amanda, any any final words here? No, I'm just so thankful we had Christina on the pod today. She's just awesome. And if you ever see her in something, run to see the show because she's just amazing. You are so kind. You're amazing. No, you. No, you. I'm still traumatized from the last thing I saw you in the marriage thing that like broke my soul. <laughs> One good marriage. One good marriage. Yes. Lots of snot. Lots of snot. (laughs) 
Happy New Year. <laughs> Thanks, Christina. Thanks, everyone.